0: Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. So glad to see all your faces, and this is our Thanksgiving week here. So I have a Thanksgiving message. We're taking a, a break from uh, Romans, we'll pick up with Romans chapter 7. It's uh, wonderful to see some returned faces there and some uh, friends from afar, and uh, welcome to our services this morning. Uh, let's go to the Lord and have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for uh, your goodness and mercies to us. Uh, we're blessed uh, this weekend, or this week, to uh, to celebrate and remember in Thanksgiving your many mercies and your wonderful grace to us as your people. <clears throat> we Lord, we ask that you would fill us up uh, with the knowledge of your will and a spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we may walk in a manner worthy of our Lord Jesus. May we please him and you in all respects, and may we bear fruit in every good work and increase in knowledge of you, our God. Strengthen us with all power according to your glorious might Give us steadfastness and perseverance. Give us patience and joy in every trial and in any affliction that we may suffer. Grow our faith in you and in your rich supply of grace. Order our steps in accordance to your word, and may we labor in the service of our Lord Jesus Christ, striving according to his power which mightily works within us as your people. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of you and not of ourselves. Now we pray and ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning, and we ask it in the glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Well, uh, thank you so much again for being here with us, and uh, let's jump into... Uh, this morning the duty of all nations uh, and it's uh, Thanksgiving week here so I pray that it will be a good preparation uh, for us uh, because you know what governments can't stop Thanksgiving can they? They can't stop our prayers, they can't stop uh, the glory that we give to our God and creator and we know who is on the throne uh, so uh, as we uh, come into this week, uh, we will celebrate and give thanks to God. And I want to address this morning the duty of all nations. And I take this from from uh, George Washington's uh, initial uh, in uh, 1789 uh, call for the nation to uh, gather together for Thanksgiving. Uh, but I want to just go back and kind of run through an overview of some of the history of our country. And so we'd go back, first of all, to the Mayflower Compact. Now, it's interesting that the Mayfla- uh, Mayflower Compact was signed November 11th, 1620. And if you think about it, that's 400 years, 400 years. That we're looking at. November 11th, 1620 to uh, today is November 21st. Yes, 22nd. 22nd, uh, 2020. 400 years since the, the Mayflower Compact was signed. And just uh, briefly to remember, it was in the name of God, Amen. We whose names are underwritten have undertaken a voyage to plant the first colony and, uh, and, and to do that uh, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. Uh, that, was, that was the goal. That was uh, the purpose. That was the reason for such hardships. And if you saw on the chart, uh, outside in our, our four year, <clears throat> there that that first year uh, there was great cost of life for the endeavor but never lack of faith in God's people never any lack of faith in what they were doing and the cause for which they were doing it and they endured great hardships and thanksgiving was given to God for uh, those things uh, which which he had done now Uh, If we can go to uh, the um, Washington's proclamation, I'd like to look at that for just a moment. Uh, Because this, according to George Washington, was the duty of all nations. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. The duty of all nations, uh, we want to look at these things, but basically our first president called our nation to a day of public thanksgiving. Give thanks to God for His glories, for His mercy. A day of public thanksgiving and prayer was called for. Grateful hearts were to acknowledge the many and signal favors of Almighty God. Give thanks. And set your heart and your focus this week in the realities that we as a people, as a blessed people, need to give God thanks for all that He's done. Now I want to take you... uh, to another hundred years from 19, from 1789 to 1889, this national monument to the forefathers <coughs> was built <coughs> that year. It is, uh, it is an 80 foot, 81 foot tall block of solid granite, from which was carved the matrix of liberty. Uh, in other words in our nation, in our country, they were thinking and asking the question, what is it that made up this this wonderful thing that has happened and that God gave to us? And what was it that was established in 1620 in regard to a, a quest for liberty and for the liberty of the gospel and the proclamation of the gospel and a, a civil civic liberty... Uh, civil liberty that people could gather uh, around and uh, and serve uh, together in regard to the uh, uh, the uh, compact that was made in 1620. This national monument uh, is uh, is in it's it basically is the procedure for the, the matrix of liberty, the matrix of freedom. And in the center, of course, is faith. Faith is the the tall figure there. If you could go back to that that slide. And faith is pointing toward heaven. And in her left hand is the scripture, it's the Geneva Bible. Uh, And uh, so faith is in the center of the matrix of liberty faith in God, faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, it was expressed in the compact and expressed uh, by the Puritans in regard to uh, uh, the liberty that, uh, that we have enjoyed. So if we look at the figures that are around the base of faith, uh, again, out of the Reformation came, it was by grace, by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ it is freedom for righteousness' sake. And if we look at the, uh, the Monument to Morality, um, <clears throat> the, the um, Morality is, um, it has two props for it. Uh, on one side is the prophet and one side is the evangelist. Um, it has, morality has no eyes. It's interesting that there's no, there's no pupils in, in the eyes. Um, and it's because there's an acknowledgment that through faith, morality is, is a, by nature internal, that God does uh, these things within us internally. And on, uh, in her hands, she has in her left hand the Ten Commandments, in uh, her right hand, the, the Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, so uh, it, of course, refers to the Scripture. It is internal, and morality is based upon the, the law of God and the truth of God as given to us in the Scriptures. The next figure in these move in, pro, uh, in progress toward liberty. The next figure is law, and law is, of course, uh, the props on one side and the other is justice and mercy. Uh, civil law and order comes from God's law, comes from the word of God and the truth of God, the natural revelation of our God and creator, and, uh, but also the, uh, the, the truth of, of God and, and his word. Uh, it is interesting that the that the, the Puritans initially um, instituted a civil contract in regard to um, uh, their relationship with those that did not know the Lord and those that were from other uh, areas of, of faith, other venues of faith. Uh, they had suffered under the uh, Roman Catholic Church and the state church, the Anglican Church and, and uh, the Lutheran churches, uh, the state churches in Europe, and they were uh, making this, this uh, uh, quest for uh, separation of church from state. And so they established civil liberty uh, apart from a state religion. And it was a very important factor in justice and in liberty. And then we come to the next uh, station is education. And on one side and the other is youth and then uh, wisdom. And um, we find a a mother figure with the word of God. uh, And the mother represents honor. She's in the seat of honor and uh, she is teaching uh, the point is that she's teaching youth and uh, equipping them with the scriptures uh, that she uh, holds uh, the, the scripture there in in her hands uh, as far as teaching and education of the youth on uh, one side is is the youth and uh, the other side is wisdom, and wisdom is represented by a grandfather figure and uh, the grandfather figure has on one side the world uh, and and on this side has his hand open toward the, the Bible uh, and it represents a, a biblical worldview. Uh, uh, seeing the world from the, the view of, of God's word, from the view of scripture and the fact that it's the grandfather represents passing the uh, knowledge, the education down uh, and it's based, it's founded, it's established upon the word of God. It's established upon the truth. Because education to them was absolutely in the parents' control and hands and responsibility. Uh, the the wisdom uh, from uh, the uh, different generations, the older generations, was to be passed down in regard to the uh, a biblical worldview. And... Of course, that brings us to the Liberty Man. And the Liberty Man on one side had tyranny and the other side peace as his props under his uh, throne. The Liberty Man is, is uh, he has, if you see on his, his right shoulder, there's a claw and that's a lion's claw. And if you see his foot, uh, there's the... This, the this, The skin of the lion and his foot is upon the lion's skin. And it represented England. It represented the oppression and tyranny uh, that was conquered with liberty. Um, You see in his left hand the chains of bondage, and you see them broken. And they held his legs. They They were around his ankles, but he has them broken. And in his right hand he has the sword. Uh, and he has the look of a victor because of the victory uh, that is attained in liberty so uh, what an incredible thing but this is the was the, the 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 pilgrims key the matrix to liberty it was the thing that was was necessary that they saw fit as the progression of things that must occur for liberty to a, to take place as had taken place in the United States of America, and I would encourage you to go to the National Monument of the Forefathers and look at the Matrix of Liberty. There's it's uh, available there, and there's commentaries on it. It's uh, very fascinating and something that that should be passed on to our children. Should be passed on uh, in regard to to what uh, what does and what did make America and give America the liberties and the greatness that God uh, passed on to us. And it was based and founded upon the Reformation and the events that took place initially um, and, uh, and when the Reformation took place. And, and it came out of the persecutions where um, there were many that died at the martyr's death in order that we would have the Scripture in the English language, in the vernacular languages, um, and uh, it was at great cost that you're sitting in, in the pews with your Bibles today uh, because they lost their lives. They were burnt at the stake uh, simply for translating the Scripture in the language that people like you and I could read it and uh, and study the word of God today so cherish it because it was paid for with a very high price it was it was costly and we should recognize it and not sleep when we read the scripture but but uh, with the vitality of God's spirit uh, take in God's word and uh, be filled with those things. Now, we will take you another hundred years just because we're doing this huge overview, but uh, here we come to George H.W. Bush. It's a hundred years since the proclamation that um, George Washington made in 1789 to 1989. In 1989, there were a number of things that happened, but in February 14th, 1989, the first GPS satellite entered the orbit Uh, And in March of 1989, the the World Wide Web was introduced to to the world. Uh, And uh, Sir Tim Berners-Lee gave the information management proposal for the World Wide Web in March of that year. Uh, It was in that year as well that George H.W. Bush gave a Thanksgiving proclamation And in this proclamation it reads that on this day we also remember that one gives praise to God not only through prayers of thanksgiving but also through obedience to his commandments and service to others, especially those less fortunate than ourselves. While some presidents followed Washington's precedent and some state governors did as well, President Lincoln, despite being faced with the dark specter, of civil war, renewed the practice of proclaiming the National Day of Thanksgiving, this venerable tradition has been sustained by every president since then in times of strife as well as times of peace and prosperity. Today we continue to offer thanks and praise to our creator, that great author of every public and private good, for the many blessings he has bestowed upon us, In so doing, we recall the timeless words of the 100th Psalm. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Now that's a a good, strong proclamation of thanksgiving for God's people. And it's something that I pray that we would uh, all join in this week to uh, speak these things. But it's interesting to me that in George H.W. Bush, and he basically quotes Washington's uh, quote that I gave to you, and of course these the, the fullness of these proclamations, both of Washington's and George W. Bush's, you can read. On, you can get them online and read those. And I would maybe encourage you to do that this week, uh, just to see the, the attitude of heart that our country has had in past days toward the Lord. But it's interesting to me that he pointed out that George Washington, they... They, uh, at, at various times, had days of Thanksgiving, but it was Lincoln that that uh, established the annual Thanksgiving, and it was during the, the very, very dark times where the nations was, nation was facing a civil war. It's probably one of the darkest times in history. Today might be the exception to it, um, but... The point is this, that in times of of trouble and distress and hardship, God's people give thanks to God. Uh, We acknowledge his goodness and mercies to us. Uh, We look beyond our troubles to express uh, thanksgiving because God reigns on his throne. He He rules over all. Things are never outside of his control, regardless of what it looks like. God is always working in His plan uh, through human history for His greater glory and for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing that we can know and be assured of is that He's working all of these things together for good, for those that love Him and are called according to His purposes. And ultimately His goal is that His kingdom will come and His will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven and we can rest assured in these things in times of trouble, whether it's a civil war or whether it's the problems that we're having today, we can trust that our Lord and God Almighty is never out of control. He always reigns on His throne in heaven. The earth is His footstool. He is God over all flesh, and nothing that man or governments or people can do can thwart His plans. I bless the Most High and praise and honor Him who uh, lives forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth will, (laughs) He accounts as nothing, but He does according to His will in the host of heaven and amongst the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off His hand, and no one can say, what are you doing? God is in control. And we can give thanks because our God is powerful. He is in control. He is Lord God Almighty. And we worship Him. And we give thanks to Him for His goodness and mercies to us. <coughs> Especially in times when things don't go as we think they should go. But let's look for just a moment here as we consider the duty of all nations. There's basically... in George Washington's statement, four proclamations, four points uh, four points that he makes in this proclamation. And the first is to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. We're to acknowledge his providence. We're to acknowledge that he's working in history. We've been given prophetic truth in the uh, you remember the, the book of Revelation there? Uh, there was the Ten Commandments. there's the, the book of Revelation. That God, that, that things in this world are proceeding in accordance with God's plan. God's plan for redemption in Jesus Christ. God's plan for the redemption of mankind. God's plan for bringing to an end the rebellion against Him. We are to acknowledge the providential working of His unseen hand. Even when it seems like Things are out of control because of man's sinfulness and his rebellion against his creator. God is never out of control. He's always providentially working. And these are the things that we can trust in and we should grow in our faith that God is in control. And just because things aren't working the way that, that they should and because they take a dark course does not mean that we will not see the glory of God and the power of God, and so we should also always hope and always boast in the glory of God, uh, right? Because we learned from our studies in Romans uh, that uh, therefore we've been justified by peace, and we have uh, uh, we've been having been justified by peace. We have uh, peace with God and. Uh, Not only this, but we also boast in tribulation because tribulation works perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not make ashamed. shame. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts and the Holy Spirit has been given to us and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're God's people and you're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And all that we have to do is by faith acknowledge and look to and believe in and trust that God's almighty hand is working providentially. He is almighty. He is powerful. And So if we look at a couple of passages of Scripture there, the Scripture tells us that He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and boundaries and habitation. He is made from one blood every nation. Who's that blood? We talked about that this morning in the end of your class. From one man's blood, who would that be? It's Noah, right? Noah. There were eight that left the ark after judgment that came upon the world that God brought in a mighty way. Man, is as nothing before God. The scripture says that the nations are as grasshoppers. Uh, they're, a drip in the buc- they're a drop in the bucket, uh, and that God is his power, uh, and he, he saved from, from one man. And so, uh, and he appointed the times of, and the boundaries of habitation. He appointed this nation, he, he uh, determined it in his providence. Uh, from Genesis 10 verses 5 and 32, from these the coastlands of the nations were separated into their lands, every one according to his language, according to their families, and into their nations. Remember that God separated the language and that these are the families of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies by their nations. And Out of these the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. God does not desire for this world. And this is is a word for the globalist. This is a word for the globalist because they're out there and they have a vision. They have a goal for the deification of mankind, for the, the rise of humanity without God, in complete rebellion without God. It's the ultimate expression of of the rebellion of man, original sin. It's the ultimate expression is to gather the world together into a, a one world government, a one world government of people. And you want to know what's wrong in Washington, D.C.? That's what's wrong in Washington, D.C., that we have those that believe in a globalization of mankind. And... The scripture tells us very clearly that God separated these nations and tribes and people, that he established the nations for a good reason. And the judgment that came in Noah's day, the judgment that came at the Tower of Babel, all tell us that God established borders for nations. God did it. And he did it providentially, And he has done it according to his purposes and he does not desire globalization. He does not desire a one world government. And we know prophetically that Satan is moving toward a one world government. We know that these things are going to happen if we know prophetic scripture, if we know what the scripture teaches. Without question, it's going to happen. So what do we do as God's people, and what do we think in regard to these things? Well, number one, we oppose globalization. We oppose it, and and they understand that we oppose it. That's why there's this, this polarized conflict taking place in our our country today. If you want to get right down to the heart of the issue, there is... The secular humanist desire for globalization, and there's Christians that understand a biblical worldview, and it opposes. They're in opposition. They can't fit together, just can't work. So, uh, these are the things uh, that we're looking at. But the the uh, George Washington understood that we're to acknowledge the providence of God in establishing the borders for our country. That it's it was by God's hand that it was established, and it was in accordance with his purposes, and that's why we should support that. We should support the acknowledgement of the providence of Almighty God in establishing this country. That's the bottom line. Okay, let's look at the second point. He says, and to obey his will. Um, We're to obey God's will. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. His will for you is to give thanks. His will for you is for our our praise and thanksgiving to go in the acknowledgement that uh, that His providential hand has determined uh, such things that we have enjoyed as His blessings. Uh, in all circumstances we are to give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So how's it going for you? Um, are, you are you cranked up? Or are, you, are you fired up to give God thanks and, and to push aside uh, uh, some of the, the things that would uh, di- disturb us or uh, cause us to, uh, to lose, lose sight of God's goodness? And good times are bad. Uh, in dark times as it was with president lincoln in the civil war and the, the things that were uh, the shadow that overcame the earth and and it was like our country was under this shadow of gloom and i i feel like that that uh, that many of us are are we we had this shadow of gloom uh, because we know that things are not right things are going wrong here and so uh, but but what is our attitude, and what is the attitude of the child of God in the expression of faith in Almighty God? Uh, the duty of all nations is to obey His will in everything. Give thanks. The uh, yeah, next slide there, um, and then um, for such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men, <laughs> act as free men. And do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bondslaves of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. This is instruction from the apostle Peter. Um, but notice that it says, "...such it is the will of God that in doing right or doing good you may silence the ignorance of foolish men." So what does God want us to do? He wants us to give him thanks. To give him praise. And he wants us to do what is right. To bring to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And so it should be our purposes to walk in the glory of God. And I want to encourage you as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have rejected his word. If you have have bought the relative truth and the cultural lies in our day, I ask that you repent, that you turn your heart again to God, to do the will of God by doing what is right. And if you're choosing things like same sex marriage is okay, or living with your boyfriend before you get married is okay, or any of the other cultural lies that have been fed to us as God's people, turn and repent of your sins to God. Turn away from doing contrary to his word for if he is Lord, then it's not fitting for believers to buy in and be conformed to this world and believe these lies. It's unfitting. And we need more than anything else today in the duty of nations to obey his will and to turn away from that which is contrary to his word, that which is contrary to his will for your life. And the only hope is that the Christian church, which is tragically sick, morally sick, turns away from this thinking that they can embrace the cultural ideas and turn away from the clear teaching of God's word. We can't do it. Uh, so the church needs to repent, to obey his will, to turn toward righteousness and reject that which is, is culturally uh, couched at to conform you Uh, to the ideas and the thinking of that rebellion of original sin against our God and Creator. He knows what is right. He knows what we need to do for liberty, for grace, for the glory of God, to shine through God's people. And if you choose that other path, there's destruction. There's always destruction. So God's people need to turn to do His will. And that means that we hear His word. That means that we order our steps in accordance with His word, in accordance with that truth, and that we throw off those ideas that run contrary to what the Lord Jesus has told us. We hear the teaching of Jesus Christ. It's necessary and needful for us as God's people. All right, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. And that brings us to the third point that he makes here, and B, to be grateful for his benefits. We give thanks to God for all of his benefits, for his great mercies to us. For there's nothing that you have received that hasn't come from his hand. He is the creator of all. He is the redeemer of us all. He is the one who has supplied every merciful gift and act of grace. He is good and benevolent in his desires for you, and his hopes for his people. Uh, so he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors him. I pray that we as God's people will honor the Lord our God. We put our eyes upon him. We put our focus upon Almighty God to honor him with the sacrifice of thanksgiving at all times. It's wonderful how the doldrums and how fear and how all of these things that we feel inside are shed when we put our eyes upon the Lord God and we start to give him thanks. And there's nothing so important as God's people learning that in dark times and in difficult times, it's most essential that we give God thanks, that we put our eyes upon him, that we remember who he is, that we remember the expanse of the heavens and understand that He transcends it. He's outside of it. He's never in bondage to any kind of law or rule that we have here or that we think we have here. God is more powerful than any of these things that would hinder and that, that tend to hinder us. And what does that do but draw us to Almighty God? It draws us to depend upon Him And to look to him because he is our God and Savior. He is the one who is able to deliver. And he is the one that delights to be our Savior. Not just a crutch that helps us along in a crippled way. But our victor and the glory of of God expressed through Jesus Christ and through his grace uh, to you and I. We honor him with our praise and thanksgiving. We're to be grateful for His benefits. Psalm 118.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Um, I love the passage that says uh, that uh, we, uh, our refuge is the eternal God and underneath are the arms of His loving kindness. The arms of God's loving kindness support you. They uphold you. It may not feel like it at times, but that's what the Scripture tells us. We have the benefit of His goodness, and we should be grateful for these benefits. And we can only do that by faith, as people of faith. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. It's unending. It does not cease. His loving kindness and great mercies to His people. So thank God for His goodness. And then uh, Ephesians 5.20 says, Give thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So we're to give thanks always. That means all times. Always. We give thanks for all things. For, for, for good things. For bad things. For all things. We give God thanks. Okay? I'm challenging you. So there's no doubt. I know that our people have many afflictions and many trials and many things that are pressing upon you. But I challenge you to take God's word and all things always to give thanks. That's hard to do, isn't it? We don't do it in our flesh, but by the Spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ at work within us, We work out our own salvation in fear and trembling for it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God accomplishes his will in you because you're dependent upon him and because you express faith in him and expressing faith in him is stepping out to do what his word tells you to do and that is to give him thanks. Give thanks in your trials. Give thanks in bad circumstances. Give thanks in affliction. Some of you are in physical pain and you're suffering because uh, of of certain afflictions that have taken place in your life. And some of you are asking, where is God? And why has he forsaken me? And how come I have pain every day? And yet God is there. There's grace and a supply. And the scripture says that he'll never tempt you or test you Above that you're able to stand but will provide a way of escape. God always provides a way of escape. So that brings us to the next point. We're to humbly implore His protection and favor. Humbly implore God's protection and favor. Look at 2 at Chronicles. Well, let me just make this point first. God delivers us. <clears throat> he either delivers us from our trials from those things or He delivers us through those things. Okay, Mark that down. Make sure you remember it because God's promise in the Lord Jesus that I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's Word <clears throat> tells us that God is our Savior and that He will deliver you from things and what we learn from the Psalms, what we learn from the Scripture, At other times He will deliver you through things. Because some people have trials that are chronic; they they don't go away. Uh, some people experience physical pain that 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 happens every day, and God bears them through that, and He bears them through that in the Spirit, in the power. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take you through a, a couple of things here in the Scripture, just a, a few places where we might look to to God's uh, favor. The first is is a Jehoshaphat. Many of you know the story of Jehoshaphat. He was a, a, a king in Judah uh, back in the day, and in his particular day, there were the, the Moabites and the Ammonites and they got together with the Edomites with some of the Edomites and three nations came up against Jehoshaphat to destroy them they were going to wipe them out and it was a, an indomitable force humanly speaking impossible and so Jehoshaphat's prayer "O oh our God will you not judge them for we are powerless before this great multitude Who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on you. And if we look a a little more at the the passage of scripture. um, There was a a prophet that came after after Jehoshaphat's prayer. And he said "Uh, listen all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And King Jehoshaphat thus says the Lord to you. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours but the Lord. Isn't that great? The battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord. You know, the the hatred that we see in our country, the the movement that we see in our country is an affront to, to God. It's His battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. And there's no restraint with God to save by many or by few, and he, and he proves it uh, in this wonderful thing. Now, if you look at this this picture here, that's the area where these three nations were gathered, and their troops were down there by the, the Dead Sea. That's the Dead Sea, and I, I see Pat and Steve back there. And uh, we were on this location uh, in February, and we looked out from uh, this uh, the side there that you see, the, um, the little crevice that goes up there, that's Ein Gedi, Ein and Gedi, uh, where the, the spring that David was. Uh, but we were there on the north side of that, that valley and looking over out into the, to the area, the plain, where those three tribes were. And Jehoshaphat, they were up on top there on the plain. And they were coming up, and it says, uh, Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. And that's the ascent of Ziz there, uh, going up this mountain into the, into the area of the wilderness in uh, Judea. And you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jehul. That's, this is this area that's, that I'm showing you on the, the picture there. Uh, And you need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves, stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord and worshipped the Lord their God. And if you know the story... And uh, Jehoshaphat said, okay, all of you priests, get out there with your instruments. And you're going to lead out in this battle because we're not going to have to fight it. So you lead out and you sing praises to God. You give thanks to God for his victory in advance. He did it in advance. And so they went before. They they praised God. They they sang of his victory. They had tambourines. They had trumpets. They had instruments and they made a lot of noise and the scripture tells us that that the the nations the these different nations turned upon one another and they all killed each other and the scripture tells us that that the the children of Israel hauled up the booty for for days they they had to go down they couldn't carry it all at once they they had to make these different trips and in the valley of Baraka, the valley of blessing <clears throat> they praise God and give praise to God because God delivered them uh, in a, with his mighty hand. And this is the God that we worship. This is what it means for God to deliver us from the enemy. And he does that at times uh, for we are powerless and he is the God of our salvation and our eyes are on the Lord God. It's good for us to know God in such a way. And so I'll take you to another instant here, and it's it's uh job and and here's another instance of humbly imploring his protection and favor, and a time where God uh, took job through something that he could not understand uh and there was no just cause for uh, yet God took him through it and Uh, As you know, Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, Can you do that, Uh, brothers and sisters? uh, When those times happen, are you, and you have such a heart before God and knowing his greatness and his loving kindness, to say, blessed be the name of the Lord, whether it's good or bad. As you see, we're basically like Israel. We're both basically murmurers and grumblers. You know, we, we, we're, it's, it's very easy to us to fall in the complaint mode. It's very unusual for us and for God's people to take up this mode, to bless the name of the Lord our God. Another instance, we find Job's wife, uh, is is uh, playing the devil's advocate here. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. <clears throat> it's pretty harsh. Do you still hold fast your integrity? And that's a question that we should ask ourselves. Do we still hold fast our integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. Challenge for us, are we, do we have such an attitude and such a relationship with our Lord and God? Uh, do we have that determination in our heart and in our will that if God chooses to send us adversity, <clears throat> will we accept it as from his hand providentially? And will we praise God and will we keep our integrity or not? That's the big question. Faith is that we keep our integrity. Faith is that we see the providential hand of God. Faith is that we put our eyes upon him in that adversity as well as in his goodness. It's nice that we've enjoyed goodness for many years in our, in our uh, country, but if we face adversity... Uh, are we such a people that can praise God and that can uh, accept the the challenges uh, that we may face in our future? so uh, another point here um from second Corinthians, and this is the apostle Paul the scripture says and and this is interesting because he says that that he was given these these great visions of of god and and of heaven. And because of that, God sent him a, a Satan. Uh, a messenger was sent to him from Satan, and we see that with Job as well. That that the bad that was caused was caused by Satan, uh, but he was only caused by Satan because because he's simply trouble on a leash, right? He just he's just trouble on a leash because God never releases his sovereignty. He never releases his control. God is in control of all of it. It's hard to accept that for us, but nonetheless, that's true. That's true of what we know uh, of God and from His Word, that, that God and Paul had to accept this as well. He was in, afflicted with a, a serious issue uh, that God refused to remove from him. Uh, and it was, it was and, and here he explains it concerning this. I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me, and He said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness." Did you know that? Powers. What? Now, why is that? That power is perfected in God's in in our weakness. The power of God is perfected in us because it's because faith is dependence. It means it means relying upon God. It means dependent upon Him. And remember, our, in our studies of Romans, everything is dependent upon the law of faith in regard to, to, to what we receive. That access uh, into the grace wherein we stand is, is brought about by the, the law of faith, the law of trusting in God to do uh, and perfect by His power what is not perfected in our flesh and what can't be perfected in our flesh. Power is perfected in our weakness the glory of God is displayed in your life in your weakness and in your dependence upon it now that doesn't mean that you walk around like cowed dogs and and uh, you know with your head bowed down and all of those things no you're a victor in Jesus Christ because of this perfected power that has has worked in and through you through Jesus Christ you're a victory person because you know true liberty the scripture says that that we are to present our 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 uh, members of our body as instruments of righteousness, and we do that by the power of Christ's Spirit within us. It's liberty; it breaks forth. There, there the weapons of righteousness. It's you can translate as as we present our members as weapons of righteousness. That means our hands with what we do, our feet with where we go, our lips with, and mouth with what we speak. The members of God are weapons of righteousness that are, uh, afflict, that conquer the rebellion that is against our Lord and God. And by faith, these things become true of God's people. We become slaves. We become bondservants to the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ, ambassadors for Jesus Christ, ministers of reconciliation, that in our weakness, God's salvation and his glory might be displayed and you become a light unto unto, uh, men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven because they realize that in your weakness, in your state, only God could be doing this. And that's the wonderful thing that God does. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Is that your heart? Do you have that word in your life? And will you know the power of Christ dwelling in you? We have access to that, the scripture says, to all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ Jesus by God's grace through faith in his word and in his truth. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So it's great to be weak to be strong. Uh, It's it's difficult, but it goes back to this truth in the scripture that out of death to self comes the life to God. Out Out of our Weakness and and death, and uh, the 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 glory of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ is manifested in us, because there's no other there's no other uh, uh, reason for it. There's nothing that, that makes sense, and so when it is seen, it has to be to God's glory, and that's uh, what we're to do. Let's look at a, a few things here: the benefits of Thanksgiving. Uh, thanksgiving humbles men by guarding us from complaining and arguing. Okay? We want to complain and argue, uh, but when we give thanksgiving, we can't do it. It just simply stops us from complaining. It guards us from complaining and murmuring against God. From unbelief is what it is. Because when we murmur against God, we're expressing unbelief in His goodness. We're expressing unbelief in His sovereignty. We're expressing unbelief in His greatness, in his, the fact that He's Almighty. We're expressing unbelief in the very nature of who God is. Thanksgiving humbles men by rebuking our rebellious nature. It just—it just rebukes it. You know, the reason that you can't give God thanks is because your flesh is—is is creepy. It never wants to serve God. It's not going to serve God. It's always going to be in rebellion against God. And that's why the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ and your second birth, and your new birth in Christ, and the new man in Christ, must take over. And it, uh, Thanksgiving humbles men by confronting us with the cross. Because that's where we're ultimately going to be brought to, right? In all of our trials, it's going to be dying to self. And dying to self is not easy. Something the power of God has to do and work within us. But we can make a decision. We can choose volitionally to God, I'm willing. I'm a willing subject. I offer myself. I present myself. I present my body as a living sacrifice to you, holy and acceptable, for it's my reasonable service. And I choose to. Uh, to be confronted with the reality that just like our Lord Jesus Christ, we must take up our cross and follow after him. We must die to self that the life of Christ can maybe manifested within us. And these things are all true. Next, will you give God control of your life, of your time, of your circumstances, of your security, of your future, now, let's think about that just a second because uh, maybe your security is shaken because of the things that are happening in our nation. It should be. You ought to shake us. Uh, we should be uh, concerned about certain things that are going on and, and the fact that, that uh, the elections have gone the way that they've gone and, the, and we're looking at a, a very uncertain future for this country. And there's no denying that. Uh, There's trouble ahead. Uh, And uh, where is our security? Uh, Is our security in in this nation? Is our security in our financial uh, uh, plans and and security that we made? Or is our security in Christ Jesus? Is our security in his word? Um, Can we entrust our circumstances to, to God and to his reign and rule. Um, and that doesn't mean that we shouldn't plan and we shouldn't look at things uh, with the concerns that we have for what's taking place in our country today. We need to be concerned, and we need plans. We need to think in terms of, of how things may go. Um, but uh, we should do that without worry, and we should do it without, without fear, and we should do it without a dark cloud hanging over us. Because we're victors in Jesus Christ and our security is in the Lord and God. So uh, we must grow in our faith in these times of trial. We must look to the Lord God and trust in the Lord God and believe his word and not be captured in murmuring or grumbling or complaining or uh, unbelief. In who he is. Because he reigns on his throne. And he's all powerful. He's outside of all the rules. He can break the rules miraculously when he chooses. And things that seem impossible to us. And things that are impossible for us. Are not impossible with God. The benefits of thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving honors God by expressing faith in God. By expressing faith in God. We need to grow in faith as God's people. If there's there's anything that our it should be that that centerpiece, God, faith, faith in the Lord God, faith in the One who transcends all that is created, and He created it all, and all things are and were created for His purposes. So God, we are to express faith to Him by acknowledging, thanksgiving, honor to God because we acknowledge God's sovereignty. He's in. Charge! He sits upon his throne. The earth is his footstool. He speaks and it is done. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, what are you doing? God does exactly as he wills. He raises up those that fall and, and he upholds all those that fall and raises up those that are bowed down. The eyes of all are upon him and he shall give us our meat in due season. He opens his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. He's sovereign. And He's powerful and He can do anything that He chooses to do. Thirdly, by declaring God's goodness and loving kindness. Honor the Lord your God. Declare His goodness. Declare His loving kindness. Thanksgiving honors God by declaring God's righteousness. We declare His righteousness and His goodness. Okay, also we give thanks for looks, our intelligence, athletic ability, our talent, our possessions, our marriage, our family, and our home. You say, "Well, you don't know. You don't know what my marriage is like. You know, you don't know what happens in my home. You don't know how bad it is. Um, you don't. You don't know how I'm dealing with how I look. Uh, but God created you." God did all of these things. He gave you the intelligence that you have. And can you accept that as being given from God? Can you accept the fact that you're not as smart as Einstein and that you wish that you were? Whatever it is that you may have on your wish list, uh, take it and give thanks for what God has given to you and accept that God has created you perfectly for his plan and purposes for your life. And then we move on to give thanks for uh, sorry. I'll have to go to my notes. Give thanks for persecution. Give thanks for adversity. Give thanks for betrayal. Can you give thanks for betrayal? As many people are, are betrayed by loved ones, by friends. Can you give thanks when cheated? Can you speaking of the elections? Can you give thanks when mistreated? Can you give thanks when your home is broken? And can you give thanks with a broken marriage? And can you give thanks for a dysfunctional family or things that didn't happen the way that you wanted or that you thought they should go? I just wanted to end with a psalm. It's Psalm 50. You can turn there if you you have your devices or Bibles. I'm going to begin with verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. And pay your vows to the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will rescue you and you will honor me. I love that. It's a wonderful passage of scripture for Psalm 50 verses 14 through the end of the chapter here. But those are the first two verses. I will rescue you and you will honor me. God will rescue you when you call upon him. Call upon the name of the Lord. And whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to tell of my statutes and to take my covenant in your mouth? For you hate discipline and you cast my words behind you. I pray that there's, that, that you as God's children here have not cast his words behind you, uh, that your heart is tender, that you've broken up the fallow ground of your heart and you're taking his word by faith and yielding to his word and obedience. When you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. You thought I was just like you, but I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. God is going to address the wicked. We don't have to worry about it. Scripture says that Jesus Christ kept entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You should too. So if the elections have been stolen, those that are uh, responsible for that, God is going to hold them accountable. And we can entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. Can't we? That's what the Lord Jesus did. So. And he says, now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver you. That's the fate of of those that that would steal an election, that would would cheat a country. Uh, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, and to him who orders his way aright, I shall show the salvation of God. I love that. You ought to take that verse home and memorize it. To he who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. And to him who orders his way aright. That means that that as a church we need to repent. We need to be right before God. We need to... uh, uh, Because God will show us his salvation in these sins. Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your great mercies to us as your children. May the word of Christ dwell richly within us with all wisdom that we may teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Teach us to sing with thankfulness. May we come to worship you with thanksgiving in our hearts. Help us to offer up the sacrifices of praise of our lips as we boast in our testimony of you, our mighty God. Enable us by your Spirit to give you thanks always for all things. Help us to honor you with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, especially during times of affliction and times of trial. Help us to magnify and honor your name. We love you, Heavenly Father, and may you and our Lord Jesus Christ abide with us. May your Holy Spirit quicken our mortal bodies that we may walk in the newness of life that has been bought and paid for by our Lord Jesus Christ through His death on the cross of Calvary and His resurrection from the dead. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for His glory. Amen. Amen.